60,000 is brought to you in part by RP Funding. RP Funding Inc. is licensed and can offer loans in Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Kentucky, Louisiana, North Carolina, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, and West Virginia, and is also licensed by the Mississippi Department of Banking and Consumer Finance and by the Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities. Office is located at 500 Wonderly Place, Suite 300, Maitland, Florida, 32751. Telephone 321-397-4420. RP Funding's nationwide mortgage licensing system ID number is 70168, and Robert Palmer's NMLS ID number is 76197. We're saving thousands with Robert Palmer right here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network. You know, the Saving Thousands Radio is just the start. From here, we go to savingthousands.com. We also have the Saving Thousands Radio app on your telephone and so much more. We are in the business of keeping you empowered. That's what we do here. Can you imagine coming to work every day? And that's what we do. People ask me, they say, we hear you on the radio all the time talking about loans and mortgages and talking finance with Robert Palmer, but what's your real job? Well, that is my job. Our work here is to empower you. Our work here is to make sure that when you get to Wednesday, well, you've got enough money to last you till Friday and well beyond. We want you to know the tricks of the financial trades so you don't fall for them. And we want you to know what each and every dollar that comes to you is going toward. Is it going toward interest? Is it going toward a house payment, a car payment? Whatever it is, we want you to be in charge of your money. It's as simple as that. And people that listen to Robert Palmer over time come very, very, very familiar with money and finance, and they take over their finances. They are no longer a prisoner to their money. They're running the money. That's a good thing. Today, we'll take a look back at the early days of RP funding and our early days on radio. We're going to talk about credit card balances. We'll talk about fees and refinancing of loans. We'll talk about shopping around for credit. Is that good or is it bad for your credit score? We'll talk about the validated pre-approval process, how it all began, and why it is such a good tool for you to have in your credit arsenal. All that and much, much more today as we save thousands with Robert Palmer. Robert, I'm smiling as I say this. I wish the people at home could see our grins. Let's go back to the very beginning and talk about how it all began. So here's the funny thing, folks. So Rob Rob worked for a radio station, and the same people that owned that radio station also owned a mortgage company. That's right. And so during <laughs> during the week, he was on the radio station that was uh, owned by the people that owned a different mortgage company. And on the weekends, he was on the radio with me. And and I know you guys had some very interesting conversations it's in those early little, days. Got a little worried about what is this? What is this <laughs> lunatic? What is this lunatic Robert Palmer down in Orlando doing, telling people no lender fees? And uh, it's worked out. So, so the other big thing. That, so now I'm here full time. Yeah, full time. Yeah. So Rob, <laughs> Rob finally came over to the right side of life. Uh, so the other big thing uh, we were talking about FICO scores this weekend. FICO so, scores. Yeah. We got to go back to the beginning on that. Most people don't even don't even understand what a FICO is because they've never heard those initials. Yep. Except now in the past year, you and I started talking about FICO seven years ago, but most people had never heard of it by then. And now this last year, it seems like the industry said, "Wait a minute, Robert Palmer's right. We got to start." pushing that. So on every one of my 27 credit cards or how many ever I've got, every every statement I get now says, we'll give you your FICO score for free. And so here's the new crazy thing is you got to figure out which version of the FICO score you're getting. Oh, you mean there's more than one? Yeah. So, you know, so originally, oh, no. originally we talked about there was the FACO score, right? And so the FACO score, so let me give, let me give our listeners a little background here. Sure. Uh, because again, whether all of you like it, know it or not, you have a FICO score. And anytime you try to borrow anything, credit card, even if you try to get like homeowner's insurance and car insurance now, all of these financial companies are using your FICO score to rate you, okay? And so what the FICO stands for, F-I-C-O, it stands for Fair Isaac Corporation, Fair F-I Isaac C-O Corporation. Fair mm -hmm. Isaac Corporation, they invented this score. They invented the idea of looking at our credit report and assigning a number to it that gave the statistical probability that we would repay our debt. And so the higher the score is, the more likely you are to repay. The lower the score is, the more likely you are to never repay, costing the bank, mortgage company, whoever is giving you the money, uh, money because you don't pay it back. And, and so FICO, they developed this, they patented it, obviously, and then they sell it to lenders. Okay. And so as consumers started saying, well, we want to know what our score is. And so then the bureaus, Equifax, Experian, TransUnion, they uh, you know, probably about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, Rob, they started mm -hmm. selling consumers their credit reports directly. So back, way back in the day, you as a consumer couldn't even see your own credit report. Like we, you had to get it through a bank and then maybe you could send a letter off to the bureau and they would email and mail one back and email. They would mail one back to you and it was all like archaic looking. And so then they figured out that they could make more money by selling the reports directly to consumers themselves. 
And this is where like the freecreditreport.com guys came about and freecreditscore.com and Equifax and Experian and TransUnion. You can go to all these sites and they will sell you a service where you can, as a consumer, see your own credit report. And because that's their data, right? So Experian, Equifax, TransUnion, they own the data so they can sell you the credit report and all that money is their profit. Now, consumers decided, well, we don't want to just see our credit report. We want to see our credit score too, because that's what lenders keep telling me. Lenders say, I'm sorry, sir, we can't make you a loan because your credit score is too low. Lenders don't really say we can't make you a loan because of this, that, and the other on your credit report. They say we can't make you this loan because your credit score is too low. So consumers said, well, this is great, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion, that you're selling me access to my credit report, but I want to know what my score is. And so now they said, well, this is great. This sounds like an opportunity to make more money. We're going to sell them their credit score as well. But the problem is if they sell you a FICO score, they have to pay a royalty. They have to pay a fee to Fair Isaac Corporation, FICO. Mm -hmm. And now let me tell you, Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion are some greedy fellas. And they do not like sharing the profits with Mr. Fair Isaac, Mr. FICO. So what did they say? They said, well, consumers are inherently stupid. That's what they think. And uh, so we're going to just make up our own credit score. And we're going to give them fancy names. And even though no lender in America uses the Vantage score mm -hmm. from Equifax, that's what they were selling you when you bought your credit score with your credit report from their website. And so guys like me went on the radio and said, hey, consumer, you got to be careful out there because as a lender, we use the FICO score and they're selling you a FACO score called the Vantage, the Vanquish, the the Envision. I mean, they give them these really fancy, creative-sounding names. At the end of the day, they are garbage because no one else uses them. So, great, I'm going to sell you a score, Mr. Consumer, and I'm going to make up a random number, and then when you go to borrow money from a bank, they're going to buy the actual FICO score, and you're <laughs> going to have a completely different number. So, that's how all this started. So, I am glad to see that because so much of us rambling and complaining about this, they are now finally selling the FICO score instead. Mm -hmm. However, FICO decided they would release a new version of the FICO score, reconvoluting all of our lives. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So all of a sudden this weekend, I get this, this Facebook thing, and then I get an email from Robert Palmer, and then I get an instant message that says, you know all the FICO stuff we've been talking about all these years? Guess what? Now it's FICO 8 or right, something yeah. like that. Like Microsoft goes 1, 2, 3, 4 and messes things up. Now FICO is kind of joining the club. So, so here's the problem. So FICO 8 is now out. So most of the lenders and mo most of these credit companies that are giving your FICO score are going to give you your FICO 8. So to make things even more confusing, the credit score that we use in the mortgage business, mm -hmm. right? For Equifax, we use the FICO version 5. For TransUnion, for TransUnion, we use the FICO version 4. And for Experian, we use the FICO version 2. I'm so confused. Yeah, exactly. I have a headache. And, and, and I'm going to share my scores so people can get an understanding of how different this is. So I, I use myfico.com, right? That's where I personally go to monitor my credit mm -hmm. because it gives you the most access to the FICO score, which is, to me, the important one. And, and like four or five years ago, it was the only place I could get a FICO score. And even then, I could only get it through a couple of the bureaus. Uh, somebody wouldn't, wouldn't participate on myfico.com because they thought mm -hmm. it was taking money away from their direct-to-consumer sales. It's all about money, people. It's all about greed. So, so uh, I sign up. I'm on my FICO. So my FICO now, you for I think it was like sixty bucks. I paid sixty dollars to get uh, my three scores, my three FICO eight scores, my three credit reports, and then I also at the same time on Friday I pulled my credit here at RP Funding so I could compare the two and and see how close they were because I'm buying a house, so I had to pull my credit anyway because mm -hmm. as I've mentioned before. Uh, even if I had all the money in the world, I would still finance my home because of the tax benefits and everything else. Yeah, uh, it's better to invest my cash in my business, put my 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 cash in the stock market, and to finance uh, the home I'm going to to hopefully purchase. So uh, as I as I look at this, all right. So my FICO eight, all right. I have a seven seventy. We'll start with Equifax because there's three bureaus: Equifax, mm -hmm. TransUnion, Experian. What these three companies do are they get updates from your creditors every every month. Your credit cards, your car loans, all of your people, they send the information to Equifax, TransUnion, Experian, and they hold the data of the credit report, but they don't generate the score. When it comes time to generate the score, they transmit that data to FICO. FICO then generates the score and sends it back to them, and that's how we get a credit report. So at Equifax, my FICO 8 is a 778. Okay? Okay. My FICO 5, which is what's used for mortgages, is a 759. And that matched mm. what I pulled here at RP Funding for Equifax, spot mm -hmm. on the 759, okay? <clears throat> now, 
the cool thing is that my FICO.com, they will let you see the previous FICO scores. And this is a new feature. All right. So they, they started this feature for Equifax and Experian on January 30th, and they just started it for TransUnion on March 6th. So if you sign up for my FICO and you pull your credit report, there's a button that says view additional FICO score versions used in mortgage, auto, and bank card decisions. Right. So again, I'm if I'm just looking at the front page, the FICO 8, I say, oh, great, I have a 778. But then when I call my mortgage company, I call RP Funding Up, they're going to pull the FICO 5, which is a 759. So if I click on that button on myfico.com, it says show me other score versions. Sure. My FICO 5, and it says commonly used in mortgage lending. That's how that one's labeled, which is accurate. So the very top one it gives me is my FICO 8, and it says the most widely used version, which I would, uh, I would, I would challenge if it's the most sure. widely used version. Uh, and then the next one down says commonly used in mortgage lending. FICO score five, previous version, most widely used for mortgage lending, which is accurate. And there I have a 759. So even there, I think I have a 778. But then when I go in here to see for a mortgage, I have a 759. Now to make things worse, the next section down says commonly used in auto lending. Okay. And there's two versions. There's FICO auto score version eight, which I have a 794. And then there's FICO auto score version five, which I have a 770. So, I mean, look at all these different scores. It's insane. Very and, and so now the next section down says commonly used in credit card lending. So oh. so the credit card, there's a, a FICO bank card score version 8. And there I have a 797. And then the old one, the FICO bank, bank card score version 5, I have a 783. So all these different scores ranging from 759 to 783 are all my FICO scores, all from Equifax's credit bureau. But they're all different. And the only way, I think this is so cool that MyFICO offers this now, because previously there was no place you could go to see all these different versions of your sure. FICO score. So they, they really are doing a lot to try to, to pull back the veil and be more transparent to consumers. So if, if we go to TransUnion, this, is, this was crazy, Rob. So at TransUnion, my FICO score 8 is a 781. So even better. Mm-hmm. All right? At Equifax, my FICO score 8 was a 778. And my mortgage score, the FICO 5, was a 759. At TransUnion, my FICO score 8 was a 781, but my FICO for mortgage is only a 725. It's it's, it's that much lower. Oh, there's a there's almost a 60-point difference that can hurt. between my FICO score 8 and my FICO score 4, which is what's used for mortgage lending. And then if you go down to auto, for auto lending, I have an 804. <laughs> but for mortgages, I have a 725. I mean, this is it, – it, it's – it's crazy that there's lenders using all these different versions, but I have to applaud my FICO. This is so great that they're letting us see this as consumers. And that's 725. That's what I saw when I pulled mm-hmm. it here from RP Funding, so it's spot on. And then over at Experian, I have a 770 FICO 8 and a 750 FICO 2, right? And so one of the mm. things that, one of the things that hurts me is I don't use my credit cards enough. Yeah, and so yeah. what TransUnion dinged me for, because the other cool thing is they give you the reasons. They tell you the reason why your score is is lower. And so the reason my score is low, so I clicked on the 725, and it gives me four negative factors. Okay, And so the first one says you have too few credit accounts. Okay, <laughs> uh, The second one says you opened a new credit account relatively, relatively recently. Okay, The next one says I have not established a long enough revolving credit history which is funny because my oldest credit card is like 20 or 17 or 18 years old. That's pretty good. Uh, and then and then the final thing is there are no recent balances on your revolving credit accounts. So here we tell people they should keep their credit accounts at zero, but my FICO version 4 at, uh, at, at TransUnion is lower because there are no recent balances on my revolving accounts. Now, when I click on the FICO 8... Uh, they don't want to give me any reasons. Okay, so FICO 8 doesn't have any reasons, I guess because I have a 781. Well, that'll so work. So it's, it's good enough that there's nothing. But th- again, this is this is fascinating to me that we can see as consumers, they finally have pulled it back. So I can see that a mortgage lender would see my score. My mid-score would be the, the 750. Uh, with an auto, my mid-score would be like a 751. I mean, th- this is this is fascinating. And that's at myfico.com, which is what I personally use because it gives mm-hmm. me the most insight. And uh, this is a newer feature where you can see the previous score versions. Very fascinating stuff. Well, Robert, I can tell you it's a lot more fun being here with you than it was in that other job. <laughs> well, let me tell you what. When we began the show, we talked about SavingThousands.com. SavingThousands.com is sort of the, the brother or sister to this radio show. We start the conversation. You continue that conversation at SavingThousands.com. That's right. When you turn to SavingThousands.com on your computer... 
No one's trying to sell you anything. All of the information is absolutely free and it's aimed at consumer empowerment. Right across the top of the homepage, you'll see tabs for the rules. Those are the 15 rules to financial success. You'll see a tab for radio shows. Those are past radio shows. Station listings. Well, of course, that means the radio stations that we broadcast on across the southern United States. Ask Robert. What does that mean? Well, that means when you click on there, you'll see a form. And all of this is confidential. But you'll click on that and you'll actually ask Robert a question. And here's the cool thing. Not only will you get a reply back from Robert, but we'll more than likely use that topic without your name, of course, but we'll use that topic on a future show. And finally, right across the top tabs is the home value hotline. Now we're going to talk more about that as the show goes on, but basically you can bring up a form when you click on that and it gives you a paragraph or two to say, this is where my home is. These are some of the extras. This is the address. What is my home value? And I'll guarantee you this, you'll get a much more precise evaluation of your home than you will from any other source. It's that simple. Well, Robert, I know you tell us to pay off our credit cards every month, but do we pay them down to zero or do we leave a few dollars on there to show activity? Yes, I'm not 100% sure on this. So I I like the idea of leaving a dollar or two on there. Um, Uh I don't know, though. I I have kind of anecdotal evidence of both. Now, if you're if you're worried about your credit score, then maybe leaving the dollar on there because some of the older credit scoring models uh, do penalize you for having no outstanding credit, no outstanding uh, credit card credit, uh, no recent utilization. Because the thing is, they can't tell you have utilization because if you if you run it up and pay it off, and they just always get zero 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 every month reported to them, to them it looks like you're just not using it. When in okay. reality, you're running it up, paying it off, running it up, paying it off, but they don't see that. If you're making the payment the way you're supposed to, the way I recommend before the statement drops. Right. But this is only when we're worried about our credit score. So there's kind of, there's two phases in life. I mean, when you're just plugging along and you're not going to be borrowing any money in the next 30 days, it doesn't really matter. You know, pay it, uh, pay it down to zero, pay it at the statement due date, right? The only time it matters, the only time you should pay it before the statement drops and maybe leave a dollar or two on there is when you know you're going to be needing your credit. You know, if you know you're going to be buying a car next month. And again, if we're, if we're financial ninjas and we're planning ahead, we're not just on a whim rushing out there and buying a car. We're, we're following the three-day rule. We're planning ahead. We're making good decisions. We're budgeting. Uh, we're not going to find ourselves in a situation where we unexpectedly need to apply for credit. And, and so I would say uh, for normal course of life, just pay the thing off. It's easier to do. And that way there's zero and there's no interest and that's going to save you the most money. But if you think you may end up, think you may end up applying for credit, maybe, maybe leave a buck on there or something, but make uh-huh. sure you do pay it down before the statement is printed, because once they print and mail the statement or once they generate the PDF, that's the amount that gets reported on your credit. So if you think about timing wise, Rob, a lot of people, they will, they will charge. So we charge a thousand dollars on our card and they generate the PDF and we get it in the mail or we get it via our phone or whatever, and then we pay it off. Well, the credit bureau doesn't see that because all they get is the, the dollar amount that was owed when the PDF was generated or the statement was printed. Right. So if you want to have that dollar balance or zero balance, you have to make the payment the day before the statement is printed, which is not the due date. The due date's not for like another 20 days. This is before the payment statement is even generated uh, if you want to have that low balance reported on your credit. And uh, so that's, that's uh, I really don't have a definitive answer. Mm-hmm. You know, FICO does not give us the exact formula. Uh, from my own personal testing, I can tell you that some of the scores reward you for having a dollar or two small balance because then they know you they know you use it and it's not just always zero and like you've cut them up and you know they're they're frozen in a block of ice we've talked about that we've talked about that in a while rob yeah so yeah i my personal i don't know where i heard this somewhere along the, the way i don't know who i don't know who originally came up with this idea it was not me uh, but i'm a fan of it so instead of cutting your credit cards up you freeze them in a block of ice so if you don't want to use your credit cards take them and, and put them in a, a glass of water and then put them in the freezer and freeze them in that glass in that that water yeah and so now if you need them you have to thaw them out and so it gives you time to think about it, right? So there you go. And you can't you can't put them in the microwave because they're plastic. So that could be the three hours. You got like yeah, I mean yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you got like run run some water over them, or you're like in there with the ice pick trying to chisel the cards out of the block of ice. But it gives you enough time to really think of like, do I really want this purchase bad enough? Like like you're at home watching the infomercial on the Ginsu knives, and you're like, do I really want them bad enough to go in there and thaw out the stupid block of ice Robert Palmer made me do, and 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 then refreeze them afterwards? You're probably like, no, it's not worth it. Yeah. If it's a really important purchase, you'll go thaw them out, right? Like if you need to send your kid to college 
and you need to put the their books or tuition on your credit card, you'll go thaw the block ice. But for the stupid spur of the moment, midnight Ginzu knife, whatever, no, you're gonna you're gonna leave that in the block ice and move on. It's all about financial empowerment. Yes, we're saving thousands with Robert Palmer, and we hope that you'll listen to the show each and every day. And there's also ways that you can hear the show more. That's right. We've got about 400 hours. That's right. So you got a lot of catching up to do. You've got a lot of empowerment to learn. But yeah, we've got about 400 hours in the archives, eight some years of radio broadcast and much, much more. And you'll find those on the Saving Thousands radio app that you can download from your Play Store right onto your phone. And then you'll be able to just listen to shows on demand anytime. There's also Robert's iHeart channel. Then when you go to iHeart, just search out Robert Palmer, and there you'll find 24 hours a day of Robert Palmer. That's right. And oftentimes during those broadcasts, you will hear us refer to the rules. Well, those are the saving thousands rules to success. They're kind of the, the GPS, if you will, of your financial world. You know, you got the GPS on your phone, right? Or up there on your dashboard. And it helps you get to the right place at the right time and use less gas and get there in perfect condition, right? So you're not all frustrated. You're not all worried about getting there on time. Well, the Saving Thousands Rules to Success kind of treat your money that way. They help you get to your financial goals without the hurry scurry, without getting all lost in the transactions. You're in charge of the whole voyage, just like you are in your car. So the Saving Thousands Rules to Success are a great tool. You'll find them at savingthousands.com. Make sure that you memorize those rules or you copy them somehow and keep them with you at all times. Okay, Robert, the no closing cost deal is working out very, very well. And one of the coolest things about the no closing cost refi is I got an email this weekend from a lady who listens to our show. She was emailing from Jacksonville and she said, Rob, I've got to thank you so much. I had gone to the three big, big mega banks. Their fees were so much, I could not make myself go for their refis. I couldn't afford it. Then I went to RP funding. I got my refi and it didn't cost me anything. Now that's cool. It allowed her to refinance and get into a much better financial place, Robert. This is like magic. So how can you do it? I would have written the check to the TV station and the radio station and the post office, and to Google, and the billboard company. Instead, I'm writing the check to the local county tax collector's office and the appraiser and the title company on your behalf so you don't have to. So I'm writing the same amount of checks. I, this $2.5 million, I was going to spend one way or the other. Sure. I was either going to give it to the media companies. Now I'm going to give it to you. So I didn't I didn't lose anything. I, well, what I lost is the advertising, and that's why I'm banking on the fact that the word of mouth we are getting from all the customers, like John, who had a great experience— and wanted to tell everybody at the table at Kobe how great of an experience he had, right? <laughs> I, I mean, this was—he was an awesome guy, Rob. I was so excited. I was so excited to meet him. And, and two, we're we're keeping his mortgage. I double checked that, like he, you know, we're not selling his mortgage off nice. right now. We're keeping like ninety-five percent of our conventional mortgages. We're keeping almost all of them. There's very rare instances where we're not keeping a loan, uh -huh. so we're keeping like ninety-five percent of our conventional mortgages right now. Uh, but it was, it was just so great, great to meet somebody who listens to the show and who had done business with RP Funding. Really made my night. Uh, Jill and I had just gotten back from vacation. We were doing a late dinner. I've got like a full beard right now because we were out of town, mm -hmm. and uh, and so he he almost didn't recognize me. My voice tipped him off. Uh, but yeah, it was really it was really cool to meet to meet a listener, and he was he was a really great guy, awesome guy. So you have like nine people around that table, and they're supposed to be watching the guy chop the egg into in the air and all that. Yeah, but no, they're listening to a commercial right. about RP right. funding from somebody they never met. So what I would tell you That's is, so jo great. John earned his piece of the two and a half million dollar advertising budget. You know he. He, he told everybody at the table it was the real deal, you know, and, and I think one of the ladies is maybe already called in to refinance. I mean, so it, that I, I can see it working. Now, again, does it work better if I happen to be at the table? Sure. But okay. I can see it working regardless. So, you know, don't, you know, don't don't miss this. This is not a completely benevolent gesture on my part. You know, I am giving this I'm moving the two and a half million dollars in my mind from one advertising medium to a different advertising medium. Instead of giving it to traditional broadcast media for advertising, I'm giving it to clients. And those clients then have to become my advertising team, my word of mouth team. They've got to spread the word. So that's the bribe. That's the deal. I will pay all your closing costs when you refinance if you will then go tell all your friends how great it was. But did you have to break this to your company by doing it live on radio and you hadn't told your company yet? I, I did, yeah. So we, we told that story. So I when, I when I came up with this idea, 
uh, I decided I would I would roll it out on the radio live at 8 a.m. on a Saturday morning uh, instead of telling my chief operating officer or any of my executives. And, and it was actually, it was Ingrid's birthday, uh, the weekend that we rolled it out. And so poor Ingrid almost had a heart attack as she was listening to the show and I'm rolling out this plan to take $2.5 million out of the advertising budget, cancel the billboards, cancel a bunch of TV commercials, and give that $2.5 million to my clients instead when they refinance their home loan over to RP Funding. Uh, but, but in the end, it's it's been great. She's well, now on she board. listens to the show. She, oh, she yeah, she she's always <laughs> listening to the. We're gonna have to get her on the show one day, Rob. Oh, we have to get to. her on here as a guest. So that's the deal. If you want if you want to be part of that, uh, Robert Palmer's advertising army, uh, I'm willing to bribe you to do that. Just give us a call at eight five five seven seven three eight six three four. Refinance your home loan to RP funding today, and I will bribe you by paying all of your closing costs out of my advertising budget. Uh, so you can be a part of the RP Funding advertising team. 855-773-8634. Let me pay all those closing costs. Let me save you thousands. If you have a question for Robert Palmer, simply go to savingthousands.com. Click on that Ask RP link. You'll have a form right there. You can ask him any questions you want about finance. It doesn't have to be about refis and mortgages. It can be just about anything that has to do with the dollars in your purse or your wallet coming in that paycheck, going out of your uh, checking account toward house payments, car payments, whatever, but simply write your question. Be more than happy to get that answer right back to you, and all is confidential. No problems there. A few moments ago, I was talking about the Saving Thousands Rules to Success, your GPS for your decisions when it comes to how you're managing your money. Rule number one is always shop around. You've heard Robert say that numerous times. You've got to shop around so you'll save, so you're getting the best bargain for the buck, and you're getting the best possible product. So always shop around, whether it be for car loans, a purchase you might be wanting to make, the bank you're going to be doing business with, shop around. Then number two, you got to know your numbers. You've got to know your credit score. You've got to know your home value. You have to know your balances, and you really need to know your interest rates, which 99% of the people listening to me right now, have no idea what they're paying in interest rates. And yet I'll tell you this, if you had to reach in your wallet at the 25th of every month and you had to pull out 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, a hundred dollars to pay to a company just for having a balance on the credit card, boy, you'd realize real quick how much that interest is costing you and you would do something about it. We have a three-day rule. That's uh, number three. Rule number three is when you're deciding to buy something, give it about three days before you buy it. You'll find that you have a lot better purchases and a lot less buyer's remorse. Well, Robert, when people are going after a mortgage, some of these unscrupulous banks are still kind of hinting to people that if they shop around for a mortgage, that brings about more mortgage and credit hits. And they're telling people that, Boy, if a lot of companies are hitting your credit score at the same time, that credit score is going to suffer for it. Well, can you set us straight? Yeah, this is what the guy Ooh. this is what the guy tells you who doesn't want you to realize that he has terrible rates and fees. <laughs> you know, and, and again, once upon a time, this this was, I will call it an error in the programming of the FICO algorithm. Because in their defense, what they thought was happening is they thought you were desperate for credit. Right. Oh, okay. And so like if I'm just call if I'm trying to get 20 new credit cards, you know, like Say I know that I'm my plan is to file bankruptcy or I know I'm about to lose my job, right? Go. Like again, because the whole idea is they're trying to predict behavior. The whole point of FICO is to predict behavior. Mm -hmm. And everybody gets so hung up on that it judges you by your past, which is true. But the point of it, the point of the algorithm is to predict predict your behavior. And so what would happen is if people knew they were about to get laid off, or people knew they were gonna file bankruptcy soon, or people knew something was going wrong, maybe they just got you know diagnosed with a terminal illness and they don't mm. think they're gonna live much longer, they would go out and get a whole bunch of credit cards and run them up and charge them up and then just keep all the stuff and file bankruptcy or live on the credit <laughs> cards and they lost their job. Like it, this would happen. Mm -hmm. And so the idea was that if you're calling 20 different credit card companies trying to get new credit cards, it's because something bad's about to happen in your yeah. life and you know it, but nobody else knows it. And you're trying to load yourself up on credit cards. So they would reduce your credit score because of that, right? Well, that doesn't apply to mortgages. That doesn't apply to car loans. There were certain things that they realized that that did not apply to. And so it actually, it says on the FICO website that, that it doesn't work that way anymore. That when you have your credit pulled by multiple mortgage companies, 
uh, that you're not going to get your credit hit because they understand that smart consumers actually shop around. You know, mm-hmm. so that that's the big thing. You know, shopping for a mortgage, shopping for a car loan is not going to hurt your credit like it used to. And the only people that are going to tell you it is is someone who doesn't want you to shop around. Now, what kind of person doesn't want you to shop around? The person who benefits uh-huh. from you not knowing the truth, not understanding what mortgage rates really are. You know, they're going to take advantage of you by preventing you from shopping around. So I just pulled up myfico.com, Rob. Uh, there's a couple of uh, frequently asked questions on here about about what we're talking about. Yeah. So, you know, one it says is, does the formula treat all credit inquiries the same, right? And so does research indicates that FICO scores are more predictive when they treat loans that commonly involve rate shopping, such as a mortgage, auto, and student loan, in a different way. For these types of loans, FICO scores ignore inquiries made in the 30 days prior to the scoring. So if you find a home loan within 30 days, the inquiry won't affect your scores while you're shopping. In addition, FICO scores look on your credit report for rate shopping inquiries older than 30 days. If your FICO score finds some, your score will be considered inquiries that fall in a typical shopping period as just one inquiry. Okay, so older versions of FICO would only group them in a 14-day span. Now they're looking back 30 days, and if they see a bunch of them at once, they're still going to ignore them if they're past 30 days Mm -hmm. because they know you are shopping for a loan. So that's the big thing. They want FICO wants you to rate shop, you know. And if you're looking for a mortgage, auto, or student loans, it may cause multiple lenders to request your credit report. Even though they're looking for one loan to compensate for this. FICO scores ignore mortgage, auto, and student loan increase made in the 30 days prior to your scoring, right? This is all right on myfico.com. So it's actually under two sections. One's under does the formula treat all credit inquiries the same. It's also under what to know about rate shopping, right? They've also got some great tips on here about how to improve improve your FICO scores. And all that is on myfico.com under credit checks and inquiries. So, you know, again, you don't just have to take my word for it. It's right there. Mm -hmm. And and any company who tells you not to shop around, not don't talk to any of my competitors, right? (laughs) It's going to drop your credit score. Sure it is, buddy. You know, run. Just know what that's all about. You know, and I, w- I will promise you no one here will ever tell you that. And if they do, I'll fire them on the spot. Right. If I ever hear that one of my loan officers told somebody not to have their credit pulled by a competitor because it would drop their score because it's a big load of malarkey. So all in all, you can take this to the bank. Shopping around for a mortgage is a good idea. And when you think about the largest financial transaction that you are liable to make in your whole life, you've got to save 16 ways to Sunday. So shop around. Get the best deal. Know what the fees are going in and out. Know about prepayment penalties. And make sure that you keep your eye on the ball. And as you follow rule number 15 from Robert, that is enter into a home loan with a 30-year mortgage. And as soon as you can, once you've built up enough equity, then start chiseling away at the mortgage balance much easier by making it a 15-year. That's right. Refi from a 30 to a 15 just as quickly as you can. And we've got articles about that, and we've got past radio shows about that right there at savingthousands.com. That's savingthousands.com. We've got great articles right now trending on saving thousands. We have a great research team. These people are working so many hours and doing so much common sense research to bring you articles that really, really do affect your life. We're not talking about Harvard or Yale economic theory. We're not talking about meetings of the Fed. We're talking about the meeting of your money when you get your check and where it's going at the end of the month. So some of these articles are great. The trending article right now that most people are turning to, and this is this is all generations, okay? It's called Moving Back Home with Mom and Dad <laughs> and Having an Exit Strategy, which I think works out for everybody. The second in our archive of articles that are really, really getting hit, budgeting, four ways to stay on track. Then there's, does advancing your career mean drowning in further education debt? Really great stories. And finally, the real story of student loans. Well, Robert, I want to talk about some of the things that are going on about giving people a pre-approval that is actually a pre-approval and not just a junky old piece of paper. You revolutionized the mortgage industry by making it a new way to get that pre-approval. And by golly, it's working. So I went out and I created this validation team. We made the validation team part of our underwriting department. You know, these are people uh, who sit in our underwriting department, which is the department that makes the decisions on loans. They actually say yes or no. Uh, And so they are looking at the pre-approvals up front to give oversight to the loan officer. And when I did this, I expected it to cost me a lot of money. The beautiful thing that happened is, Rob, because... 
so few of our loans now fall apart after being pre-approved, we are actually more efficient. Because now mm. my processors and closers and funders and underwriters and everybody else aren't wasting their time working on deals that aren't going to close because the loan officer, the sales guy, never should have pre-approved them in the first place. Mm -hmm. We catch those in the validation department and we stop it up front. I'm not wasting all the money getting appraisals and verifications of employment and credit checks and fraud verification tools and IRS tax transcript processing and everything else because all that stuff is not free. I'm not wasting all that money anymore on the borrowers who never really qualified. And it was by a mistake on the salesperson's part. And so since then, we now have one of the highest closing ratios in the industry when you look at uh, pre-approval to actual closing. Uh, and, and we have a second level, which is actually a validated pre-approval, which is where we will fully underwrite your file up front and look at all your documentation. And those have like a 99.7% closing. I think we've had like one guy ever that didn't qualify. Amazing. And it was because the bonehead went out and, and bought two cars, two, not one car, <laughs> two cars. <laughs> Bef right before closing. How many times on and, the show and, have we addressed and that? And didn't think we would find out. We find out, people. We find out, right? So all of a sudden, he bought two cars. If he had just bought the one car, we probably could have made it work. Mm -hmm. I would have given it, I would have like lowered his interest rate. I would have put him on an adjustable rate. I would have done something. We would have made it work. But no, he bought two cars and there was no solution in sight. And so that's why I don't have 100% on my validated <laughs> pre-approvals. So thanks a lot, buddy, you, you know, you for, for messing up my statistics. But anyway, so the, the point of this is when you are buying a home, or you are selling a home. You want to make sure that you are not out there shopping on false hope. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that the pre-approval letter you have is worth something and not even not worth the paper it's written on. Because that's what happens. Because we had this. I mean, I'll tell this story. Six years ago, we did not have oversight for our loan officers. We didn't. We let them issue pre-approvals. Mm -hmm. It was industry standard. And we didn't even have like a formal document. Like this was every, every loan officer got a Word document. Microsoft Word, and it had our, our letterhead on it, and it said, you know, so-and-so is pre-approved. It's like, okay, when you pre-approve somebody, delete the loan amount here and type in the new loan amount. I mean, so these guys could theoretically, they could have given somebody a pre-approval letter for $200 million. I mean, it just, there was no oversight. And 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 so legally, that pre-approval letter doesn't bind us to anything. And that's why most mortgage companies take this cavalier, glib attitude, like, who cares? You know, mm -hmm. the, we're not legally bound to the pre-approval letter. We don't care, you know. You don't care that you're bashing somebody's hopes and dreams and giving them all this false hope and wasting all their time to go shop for houses when they don't really qualify? That's crazy to me. Uh, yeah. So so I looked at this. So we actually had a, a loan officer who just completely screwed this up. And, and, and he is the reason why we have so much oversight in place. And so actually, I want to thank him because had he not screwed this thing up so badly back then, mm -hmm. I would not have gone on the rampage to fix the problem. I like it. And so he gave pre-approval letters to probably 20 customers who did not even close to qualify, right? And so what happened is he got behind on his work and he wasn't the most organized person on the planet. And so he got behind and some real estate agents had sent him some, some potential leads and, and they had sent him leads that other people had already said no to. You know, these were customers where someone else had already turned them down. And so he gets them and, and he doesn't work on them. And so then two or three days go by and the real estate agents are calling him complaining because he hasn't pre-approved or hasn't given them an answer yet on their customers. And so he decides the easiest thing to do would be without even looking at their credit, without even looking at their income, without doing anything to just give them all pre-approval letters to make the phone calls stop, right? So now, Rob, mm. I have all of these people running around with pre-approval letters that have no chance, zero chance of getting a mortgage, right? Oh, and th wow. this was in 2010. Yeah, this was in 2010. This was in 2010. So needless to say, a good number of these people got houses under contract. And then the file comes in and it goes to the underwriting department and it goes to the processing department. <laughs> and they're like, what was this guy thinking? What oh, happened no. here? Right. So the first thing I did was fire him very quickly. Mm -hmm. No explanation. No nothing. You're gone. I see what you did here. I see that you didn't even pull these people's credit. You didn't check anything. You didn't do any part of your job before you issued these pre-approval letters. So I fired him. And then I ended up refunding people a whole lot of money. Oh, I paid for hotel rooms. I refunded the appraisal money. I refunded some people's earnest money deposits because they could not get them back from the seller because of the mm -hmm. way their contracts were written. <clears throat> that little adventure probably cost me ten dollars or $15,000. More importantly, the damage it did to my company's reputation with that group of people and that group of real estate agents, we are still recovering from oh, wow. six years later. There are still some agents out there 
who are perpetuating this based on something that happened six years ago. And I, I get it. I mean, I, I would like to think that as a professional in their industry, they would come down here and figure out all the things I've put in place to prevent mm-hmm. that from ever happening again. Uh, every other mortgage company still does it the same exact way. The difference is, and this is one of the downsides to my business model. The difference is, Rob, the average loan officer only gets to talk to two or three customers a month. Oh. So if he decides to screw things up, he's only screwing things up for two or three people. My guy got to screw things up for 20 people. He could have oh. probably screwed up for 40 or 50 because, again, my loan officers talk to so many more people a month mm-hmm. than the average loan officer. They can create way more damage in a short period of time. So I am a, uh entrepreneurial guy. I'm a pretty ingenuitive guy. And so I, I, I took my senior management team and we got in a room and I said, how do we make sure this never happens again? And how are we so stupid that we could even let this happen in the first place? And, and really it was like, well, Robert, this is the way everybody does it. And it is true. That's right. still right now, if you call 10 mortgage companies, uh, the other nine still have the loan officer issuing the pre-approval letter in a Microsoft Word document with no oversight from the company. The company doesn't even know he's talking to you. They have no records of it. They have no way to access the file. This guy's sitting at home on his couch issuing you a pre-approval letter. That is one of the biggest, biggest broken things in our industry. So I got this big wake-up call six years ago, and I decided I would fix it. And so well, the first thing we did is we went in through and we deleted that stupid Microsoft Word document from everybody's computer, and we built the pre-approval into our mortgage software. So you could not just put someone's name on a pre-approval and give it to them. You had to generate it through our software. The next thing we did is we put all of these red flags and checks and balance in places so that you could not, you cannot physically print the pre-approval out of our system until a series of checks have been run behind the scenes in the software. Whoa. So one of the things is uh, our, our credit company, right? So they transmit the credit report to us directly into that software. So the software reads the credit report. And if it sees a bankruptcy, if it sees a foreclosure, if it sees a credit score that's too low, Mm -hmm. uh, if it sees deferred student loans, if it sees, I'm trying to think what else all we flagged. At the time, we sat down and we figured out everything that a a salesperson may make a mistake on and miss, right? Because what what would happen is, like, they'll look at the credit report and page one looks great. And then there's salespeople. And I love you all if any of you are listening, but you are salespeople. And you get a little distracted. You get you get shiny, bobbly, squirrel, you know, object syndrome or squirrel syndrome. Squirrel, right? So they get distracted. So they would look at the credit score, look at the first page of the credit report, and they would issue the pre-approval. And they would miss the fact that on, like, page nine was a foreclosure from, like, three years ago. Oh, boy. Which meant the person didn't qualify, but they missed it. So we had the software read the credit report. And so if the software saw any of these problems, it actually will lock down the system, and the loan officer cannot issue the pre-approval until the file has been reviewed by the validation team. Wow. All right. So if the credit score is too low, bankruptcy, foreclosure, any of these, and it's, it's a lot more complex. I'm kind of giving the easy ones, but there's a lot of stuff it looks at. The next thing it does is it imports all of those liabilities into the file and checks them against your income. And if you don't have enough income to qualify for the house and all the debts, it locks down the system and will not let the loan officer issue the pre-approval. So the first thing we did was put all this automated stuff in place. Right. And, and then, so then what happens in the validation team is they now dig in. And if you had that foreclosure, they're going to pull public records and see when the actual discharge date or when the foreclosure you know, filing date was, when the transfer date was. They're going to make sure there's not other foreclosures. They're doing all of these fraud checks and tools that most mortgage companies don't do until like three days before closing. Mm-hmm. We're now doing them before we'll even issue the pre-approval, right? Very this good. means my pre-approval is inherently that much stronger. So by using the technology, so that stops them down up front. Now, if, if they get through all those checks, mm-hmm. if the credit score is high enough, if there's no bankruptcies, there's no foreclosures, the income, everything looks like it's good, then the loan officer, the salesperson can go ahead and issue the pre-approval immediately without having to wait for the validation team Mm -hmm. to give them the okay. However, the validation team will now behind the scenes over the next 24, 48, 72 hours, go back and review the file to make sure there's nothing wrong. Because I would rather give someone the bad news, they don't qualify two to three days after telling them they did, then two to, eight, two to three days before closing. Mm, right? yeah. And these Crazy. are systems that no other mortgage company has. Nobody else is doing it this way. They still will let their, their sales guys just, just issue pre-approvals with no oversight. And, and people make mistakes. Even if the sales guys were underwriters, they're not. But even if they were, they're still going to make the occasional mistakes. So now I have two sets of eyes looking at every file, right? I have the, well, actually I have three if you count the system. So I've got the, the loan officer in his eyes. Then I've got the automated system running in the background in its eyes, and it doesn't miss anything, right? Mm-hmm, I mean, right. It, computers don't miss the word foreclosure. They read every line, right? I mean, that, that's how they're programmed to work. And then I got the validation team. So I've got three sets of eyes on every pre-approval, and this is what makes the RP funding pre-approval the strongest in the industry. And this is why on FHA loans, which are the scariest ones for sellers, 
Ours are accepted more than anybody else's in Orange and Seminole County. And, and, and we're expanding that to more and more counties as we continue to get the word out. As more and more sellers and more and more real estate agents realize all of these things we do that no one else does. So here's what I want you to do. If you are out there, maybe you've already got a pre-approval. Uh, maybe uh, you're a seller and you're about to accept, accept someone's offer uh, to buy your home and they have a pre-approval. I want you to call that lender and I want you to ask them to describe their pre-approval oversight process to you in just the manner that I have just done. And if all they say is, well, I pulled their credit and I uh, typed into a Microsoft Word document that they were pre-approved, you may have a problem. Right? <laughs> and so the downside to what we do is sometimes the borrowers get frustrated with us because they say, well, sure. Robert, you're asking me for pay stubs and W-2s and tax returns and bank statements and all this stuff just to give me the pre-approval letter. The other guy, he said he'd give me the pre-approval letter just after the phone call. He doesn't want anything from me. You know, what's, what's the difference? Well, how am I supposed to know that you truly qualify to purchase a home if I don't look at your pay stubs, W-2s, bank statements, tax returns, and everything else. So would you like me to wait until a week before closing to review these documents? I mean, what's what's your ideal situation? I mean, that's what the other guy's going to do. He's going to give you the piece of paper today without a lot of hassle, and then you're going to go out and buy a house, and then right before closing, he's going to ask you for all this documentation, all the same stuff we're asking for right now today. The difference is, if so if something pops up today, we have time to deal with it. I can say, hey, you know what, Joe? Uh, so I, I've reviewed your tax returns now, and uh, you wrote off a lot of mileage last year. And unfortunately, per Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and Ginnie Mae guidelines, uh, any lender you talk to is going to have to deduct that mileage deduction that you wrote off on your tax returns from your income. Because you're telling the IRS, in order to make the 60000 a year I made, I had to spend 5000 on mileage driving around on gas. I'm writing this off. So now your income is only $55,000 a year. And so I say, so Jim, you know where you could have bought that $200,000 house? Now I need you to go buy a $170,000 house. And that's okay because you don't have a $200,000 house under contract yet. The alternative the alternative is you find out a week before closing when the lender processes your IRS 4506T form and gets your IRS tax transcript from the IRS and they get it back one week before closing. And they never asked you for your tax returns before that. They never ran the IRS check before that. And now a week before closing, they say, Jim, what did you do? You wrote off all this mileage. You don't qualify anymore. And now we can't go to the seller and say, well, seller, we know you want your house is worth 200000 and you thought you were going to get 200000 but guess what? Jim only qualifies for 170000 now. You're done. It's over. And you've wasted your money on the appraisal. You've wasted your money on the inspection. You've wasted two months of your life getting ready to buy this house. And all of these things could have been avoided if we had just looked at your tax returns up front. And not just having the sales guy look at your tax returns. We're going to have a member of our underwriting department look at your tax returns. All right? That is the inherent difference. I had a buddy of mine that's going through us for a mortgage, and uh, he had a, a large deposit. He had borrowed money, uh, and he was going to use it for his down payment. And so my group questioned it, and they wanted all this documentation on the loan and where the deposit came from and all these answers. And he's like, Robert. He calls me. He's like, what's, he's like, what's up with you guys, man? He's like, I've talked to Quicken, and I've talked to these guys, and I've talked to this bank and that bank, and none of them asked me any of this stuff. Why are you guys making this so difficult? And I said, well, bro. Uh, this would have caused you to get denied a week before closing. Ooh. So any of those other guys, they would have told you you were good. You would have gone and put your offer out on the house. You would have gotten down to a week before closing, and then they would have realized that the terms under which you borrowed this money for down payment are not allowable by Fannie, Freddie, or Jenny, and they would have denied you, and you would have been stuck because they didn't ask the right questions up front. And that's what our whole validation team is about. That's what our whole validated pre-approval is about. I want to give you the strongest pre-approval possible so none of us waste our time. Because he, this guy has perfect credit. I mean, he has a like a 780 credit score. Good. Everything Great. about his situation is perfect, but the source of his down payment is not allowable. We only figured that out because we asked him for all the documentation up front. The other lender probably wouldn't have gotten that documentation until the last minute. So just because you have perfect credit, just because you pay all your bills on time, just because you make great money does not mean there isn't something hiding in your file that can cause you to be denied for that home loan. And here at RP Funding, we're going to find that out up front. We're going to find that out sooner than later. And mm -hmm. so if you would like an RP Funding pre-approval, all you got to do is pick up the phone and call us. 855-773-8634. 855-773-8634. It doesn't cost you a dime, all right? Even if you don't want to use us for your financing, still use us for the pre-approval. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. Do okay. yourself that favor. I don't mind. I'm a nice guy. I don't care. <laughs> oh, maybe your brother-in-law's a mortgage guy. Maybe your Aunt Janie's a mortgage guy. Maybe your mother's a mortgage guy, a girl. I don't know. Do you know? So you're going to close with them. 
But if you want to make sure you're really, really, really pre-approved, come to us first. Mm-hmm. Come to us second. Let us give you that pre-approval letter. Stick it in with your offer. The seller is more likely to take your offer because of the brand and the power and the strength and everything we do on our pre-approval than they are to take the other guy's pre-approval. And then, too, if something does go wrong at the last minute, I'll close you in three or four days, right? I'll pick up the pieces at the last minute. It's easier for me to do that if I pre-approved you on the front end. And you would be amazed how many lenders drop the ball on the 11th hour, and then we get the phone call, and we clean it up, mm-hmm. you know? Which amazes me because when we have less fees, well, no fees, which is less fees, and better rates, but people will still go through other people just because it's the friend or the whatever or the real estate agent recommended them or it just amazes me. And then that company screws up, and then we come at the last minute mm-hmm. and not only save the deal, but we save the money at the same time. It's almost like they, they were done a favor by the other lender screwing it up because they were saved for themselves, and they come over here, and they don't have to pay lender fees, and they get a better rate, and they close on time, all because the other guy screwed up. Where had the other guy performed properly, they would have paid all these lender fees, they would have a higher rate for the next 30 years. Like It's, it's very entertaining to me that this still goes on. But there are there's a lot of sweetheart deals out there between you know, between loan officers and, and, and real estate agents. And there's some real estate agents who are just so stubborn, they refuse to to consider the fact that we really don't charge fees and, and that we really mm-hmm. do all the amazing things that I say we do. They honestly believe I'm a liar. Or maybe they heard that six years ago I screwed up 15 pre-approvals, and so they're going to crucify me for that for the rest of my life. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but, but it amazes me that there are still people that their real estate agent want to talk them out of doing business with RP Funding because they just don't understand us. And it, 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 it drives me a little crazy, but it is what it is. So the validated pre-approval works for both halves of the transaction. Let's say that you're buying a home. You want to make sure that you are armed with the best possible pre-approval so that when you do get up to closing, there are no surprises. There's nothing they're going to find in documentation that they haven't already found. So when you look for those homes, you're looking with confidence. Now that's from the buyer's perspective, but now let's look at it from the seller's perspective. Right now, on average, when you go to sell your home, you're getting four, five, eight, ten offers on that home. Now, accompanying each one of those offers is a pre-approval from some bank. There are many that are easy to spot that are all just very simple, just form letters. Yes, Jim Smith qualifies to buy this house. Well, but that's based on very little information, as Robert was talking about a while ago. So what you want to do is sit down with your real estate agent, sit down at the kitchen table, send the kids out in the backyard to play, make sure somebody's keeping an eye on the kids. But basically the deal here is go through the offers and go through the pre-approvals and see who gives the best pre-approval in the business. Right now, that is unarguably... RP funding. When you've got an RP funding validated pre-approval in your hands given to you from a buyer, well, you can take that to the bank. Seriously. You know that that person's qualified, that without any hiccups, well, nothing's perfect, but you're going to find out that 99% of the time that closing is going to go through on the right hour of the right day. So nobody is sleeping in a Motel 6 waiting for the closing. It's that simple. We hope you've learned a lot today. Don't forget SavingThousands.com. Don't forget the iHeart Station. Don't forget the Saving Thousands radio app. And through all of that, you're guaranteed to save thousands with Robert Palmer. 